the high post here against Enaruda. Bates down low for Clemens, a bucket and a foul. Evansville's very, very tough to guard. And what I, what I love about our team that's going to help us as we move forward is we've had some games that we've had some huge leads, and then we've had some games where we've had to find ways to win, grind it out. We had to grind it out the second half at uh, Bradley. I love the bigger possession games, the bigger <laughs> margin of victory better, but those are those are really good wins these last two days. Feels good, obviously. I mean, any win feels good, but, uh, you know, we just keep getting better every day. And I know that's kind of cliche, but it, it's true. Every, every day we come in and our prep's been great and our practices have been uh, very energetic and passionate. And, you know, that, that uh, kind of goes over into the games. Uh, it all starts with prep for us, and we've had great prep. So uh, if that continues, hopefully this win streak can continue. Anybody can do it any night. Anybody can do it any night in this league. And that's why I hope the NCAA committee uh, takes multiple teams from this league. And I just hope they're looking at it. It's a league that anybody can beat anybody. And it is deserving of a multiple bid league. We just got to keep it going. I mean, I hate to say the proverbial one at a time, but like we haven't got ahead of ourselves. And um, that was that's big for this team. Here's Clemens. He's got an open three. Kansas. The Ramblers do beat the press. Ublock down the lane to lay it in. Greg Popovich. Played very well tonight. Great team defense. Did a good job. Kobe Bryant. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. I'm Jonathan Hood, part of the Captain J. Hood Morning Show that you can hear between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. And, of course, our podcast is always brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. As we record this here this weekend, don't forget UFC 258 is going to take place with Usman versus Burns. And DraftKings has got one hell of a deal. You bet $1 on either fighter, Usman or Burns, to reign victorious. And if your fighter wins, you will cash $100. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test and to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Here, as I always tell you all the time, either for UFC 258 or for college basketball or for the NBA, whatever you like to bet on, just go to DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. But make sure you use the promo code WMVP when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 on your chosen title contender for UFC 258. Again, if UFC is not what you like and you love basketball, hey, we're a basketball podcast, right? College basketball, pro basketball, check out DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. But if you're going to sign up, use the promo code WMVP for some sweet deals. If you have a gambling problem, call one 800 
Detroit Gambler, 1-800-426-2537. To open our podcast here this weekend, you heard from Porter Moser, the head coach for the Loyola Ramblers in the play-by-play from my guy Jordan Burnfield as the Ramblers have just been a terrific story in the Valley. So we start our conversation with college basketball. Loyola is 17-3, and and they will take on Drake for a very, very pivotal weekend series because with Loyola at the top of the Valley at the MVC, they're 12-1 and in conference, 17-3 and overall. They'll play Drake. Drake is 19-1 and overall, 10-1 and in the conference. They're in second place in the Valley. Now, the number 22 team in the country, Loyola Ramblers, have been a tremendous story. As you well know, Porter Moser and his coaching staff have done a tremendous job being able to recruit and also stay on top as a viable contender for the NCAA tournament. And once again, this series against Drake at Drake will be very interesting. The game on the 13th of February will take place on ESPN2 at 11 a.m. Central Time. On Valentine's Day, they'll play at 2 o'clock on ESPN2. That's how important this series is when they are not just on ESPN3 or finding some, some digital channel. No, this there are two big games because it tells a story on whether or not Loyola can beat a team that's run their heels, the Drake Bulldogs. So... That's going to be very interesting uh, to see this weekend. If you're trying to figure out what you're going to watch early uh, on Saturday and Sunday, check out Loyola against Drake. Now, here's what stands out to me most about this team. I look at this team, and they're battle-tested. Of course, they've been a tremendous team. But looking at their last game that they played, their last series against Evansville, Evansville is well coached by Todd Licklider, but they just went right through him. Cameron Crutwig, a guy that is so smooth at the basket. He had 20 points in the last game that Loyola played. Crutwig had 20 points and 11 rebounds. Loyola won his ninth consecutive game, uh, topping Evansville 86 to eight. Sorry, 68 to 55 in that contest. And I tell you, you can just see that the system works. For the Ramblers. It works. They won the first game 68-55. They won the second game against Evansville 69-58. What I really like about the team is the interchangeable parts. Yes, it is about Crutwig being able to get inside. If you've never seen him play, old school ball player that from the foul line down is dangerous. And so he's very good. Norris is very good for this team. Uguak a very good player for them at the forward spot. They got a couple of really good guards. Williamson has been there for a while, and they have some good bench depth as well. The difference between Loyola this year and years past is that Loyola looks to be able to shoot from three. Uh, in this game that they played, there's a team, there's a, uh, there's um, a three for seven from three point range. But normally, when you're watching Loyola, they're looking to try to get the best available shot. From the outside, for years it was just you know inside out, but there's been an encouragement from Porter Moser to change, to get up and down the floor a little bit more, and not necessarily ground out, grind out victories as they once did. So Loyola seems different this year. Uh, they're penchant to shoot from the outside, and that's a good thing because you don't want to always be the same program. Sometimes you got to change, and Porter Moser is changing with the times a little bit as far as having his guys on the run out, being able to not only be good on the second chance 
on the glass with Ugwak uh, and with um, guys like Crutwig, but also be able to just be a little bit different. And I like what I see from the Ramblers in that regard. Okay, so that's a great story for this weekend. Loyola uh, taking on the uh, Drake team on the road for back-to-back games. That's going to be a fun weekend. I got a chance to talk to Jeff Hagedorn, the veteran voice of the Loyola Ramblers, uh, moments ago. Got a chance to get his thoughts about the Ramblers. Moving forward in our podcast, we'll talk about some of the other college basketball programs and also the NBA. The Bulls will take on the Clippers on Friday night and also take a look at some of the uh, major storylines around the NBA. So we'll get to all that. But first, my conversation with Jeff Hagedorn, the radio voice of the Ramblers, on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. We turn now to the veteran voice of the Loyola Ramblers on the radio side, Jeff Hagedorn. We cannot wait for uh, Drake against Loyola. It's going to be so much fun. Jeff joins me here on ESPN 1000 and the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. Jeff, as always, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Jay Hood, it's my pleasure to be here. We're looking forward to this matchup this weekend. Give me your uh, initial thoughts on the ebb and flow of the season for Loyola. What does resonate with you most? Well, I think, you know, they've been good from the jump this year. I mean, really good. And we we figured that was going to be the case because four of your five starters are returning seniors. Uh, Braden Norris is a uh, a redshirt sophomore who's uh, stepped into the point guard role and played really well, a transfer from Oakland University. Uh, But the rest of the guys have been playing together for a long time. And and so you you kind of figured this was going to be a good team. But I think uh, about nine, ten games ago, I I don't know exactly when it was, I can't recall, but Porter Moser made... uh, the substitution of, of bringing Keith Clements into the starting lineup and, and moving uh, uh, Tate Hall to the bench. Mm-hmm. And when he did that, it not only benefited both of those players, both players began to pick up their level of play, but it really has benefited the team. And I mean, the Ramblers have been just on automatic since then. Uh, I mean, winning games by, uh, you know, over 27 points on average. So it's been a real impressive run of late for this team, and uh, hopefully they're picking up steam heading into this weekend. This team seems different than a couple of teams in the past, Jeff, in which they don't the, the Ramblers don't seem like they're afraid to shoot the three. It seems like there's more emphasis in being able to shoot the three than just pounding it down low. I remember Ramblers teams with Porter was always inside out. Do you see a little bit of a difference as far as their penchant to shoot from the outside? Yeah, I, I think, as a matter of fact, that is the emphasis now. The emphasis is to, to take more shots from the outside. They have so many guys who can knock down threes and who are real good three-point shooters. Uh, and, and they know that by doing that, they're going to open up um, space for Cam Crutwick Cam Crutwick down low. They're also going to open up space for Marquise Kennedy, uh, Keith Clemens, Lucas Williamson to drive the basketball. So um, I, I think you're you're right on the money. That is a point of emphasis for them this year is is really taking advantage of the three point shooters that they have. Jeff, you've been around basketball a lot on the NBA level, the college level, so you know how different the game is now in 2021 versus years past. In that. We see now today that if you are the size of Cameron Crutwig, if you are a center, centers want to be guards now in this positionless basketball that we get from time to time. Uh, where do we make another Cameron Crutwig? Because this guy's a throwback. Like, like you're not finding another Cameron Crutwig like ever, right? 
I, I don't think so. I don't think so, uh, Jonathan. You know, uh, a 6'9", 255-pound point guard, you're not going to find many guys like that uh, coming up. I, I think it was uh, Coach Moser who said uh, in an article I read this week that uh, thank God he didn't pass the eye test in AAU because the, the big programs would have gobbled him up in a heartbeat if they knew he could do this. Yeah. He is such a throwback. It is, it's off the court, too. You know, I mean, you hear the stories about him listening to 60s and 70s, 80s music, um, you know, playing the harmonica to, to you know, uh, Hall and Oates songs. Um, yeah, this guy, his favorite TV shows and movies are from that uh, that era as well. He's just a throwback in every single uh, way that you could possibly mean it, and uh, it, it's been a really refreshing. And I, I think, in some ways, that's allowed him to become a leader for this team. He's a guy that um, can provide a, a little bit of, of comic relief at times, and, uh, and 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 sort of break the tension for his teammates when needed. But he's also a leader out there. Make no mistake about it. I had a chance last year. Um, pre-pandemic to be able to travel with the team and i remember sitting in a couple of shoot arounds and, and thinking to myself this guy's like an extra assistant coach i mean he's got a great mind for basketball so i know you're, you're not going to find another cameron crutwick for sure so so what happens with this mustache is he keeping the stash throughout the season i mean <laughs> talk about 60s and 70s i mean come on it just fits the motif on and off the court doesn't it i know i haven't <laughs> had a chance to talk to crud about that yet but uh yeah we, we've we've gotten a, a few laughs out of that as well on the broadcast jeff when you think about porter moser just to say for instance we you and i are having this conversation in california or florida or wherever and and if we just take this you know, thousand yard view at Loyola, we'd say, boy, Porter Moses doing a great job at Loyola. And I'm sure that he's had his opportunities to go elsewhere, but I'm glad that he's in Chicago and with Loyola because, man, it made, and Loyola continues to be the story. What, what's it like covering him? And are you, and, and just the way he's been able to mold and shape this program? Yeah, covering uh, a team coached by Porter Moser is. You know, becoming part of a family, and and that's what's so cool for me and, and for Chris Sparks. Again, last year when we traveled with the team, we really became part of the family, and we appreciate that so much. Uh, Porter, you know, uses his buzzword is culture. Everybody knows that, and and rightfully so because he has created. Uh, an incredible culture. Um, you know, these are not four and five star guys. These are two and three star guys who they've coached up. Um, they are hard nosed. They're defensive minded. They're team players. They truly want to win for their their teammates. They've got winning pedigrees, whether that's in the junior colleges they transferred from, or or whether they've won championships, state championships at the high school level. Uh, these are guys, Cam Crutwig and Lucas Williamson. Two guys who were on the Final Four team in 2018 as freshmen, they want to get back to the NCAA tournament as much for themselves as they do for their brothers. And they've said that. They, they want these guys to experience it too. And what happens is when you've got guys like Crutwig and Williamson carrying that culture down, now guys like Marquise Kennedy and Tom Welch, two local guys who are sophomores and have a bright future in Rogers Park, they pick up on that and they'll pass it down to the guys who are coming in next year. It, it's really cool to be a part of this. So, Jeff, uh um, and, and on my talk shows, I've talked about how the blue blood programs in college basketball are down. We don't expect to see Kentucky, Michigan State. We don't expect to see Duke or some of these other blue blood programs really pay dividends and really get to where we normally see them in Sweet 16s and having a long run. So I've been hearing Porter say this several times now that he believes that the Valley deserves more than just one bid. If you yeah. if you don't have the star power of the blue blood programs, how likely is it for a Valley team that's really good, especially on the top, to have two bids and two bites at the apple. 
Yeah, I, I think this year uh, the Valley deserves it for sure. I would agree with Porter. I mean, you look at uh, Loyola coming in at 17-3, and 12-1 atop the Valley. Uh, Drake is 19-1, 10-1 in the Valley, 11-0 at home. Uh, you know, these two teams deserve it. Both have been ranked. Ramblers are currently ranked at number 22. First time they've been at the AP poll since 84-85. I was a freshman at Loyola back then, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. So I remember that team, that Sweet 16 team with uh, the, uh, all the different players uh, there. Uh, Frederick Hughes, of course, yeah. uh, the big name on that team that, uh, that went to the Sweet 16 and lost to Patrick Ewing. This team, I think, is as good, and they're certainly better defensively uh, than that team. So I, I think those two teams definitely deserve to go. Um, the Valley is probably really hoping for a split of these two games and then for these two teams to win out and wind up in the championship game uh, down in Arch Madness, the conference tournament in St. Louis in early March, uh, because that would set up a situation, I think, where it's very likely that both teams would go. One would get the automatic bid and the other would uh, would, would go outright. Um but you never want to leave that to chance. A couple of years ago, Wichita State and Illinois State were both 17-1 in conference. Wichita State went with the automatic bid. Illinois State did not. And so the last thing the Ramblers want to do is leave it to chance, and they're going to do their best to, to sweep down there uh, this weekend. So lastly, and I appreciate your time, Jeff, give us a little insight. What do you expect in these games against Drake? Yeah, I mean, you look at the stats, the team stats in the Valley, Jonathan, and it's Drake is either number one in one category and the Ramblers are number two, or in the next category, the Ramblers are number one and Drake is number two. I mean, clearly the top two teams in the conference, Drake's the best offensive team. Uh, Loyola comes in leading the nation in points allowed at 56.2 per game. In fact, the Ramblers are allowing like 51 points per game on 27% shooting from beyond the arc in their last 10 games. I mean, just being it up. Um, Loyola's won 10 in a row overall. They've won six straight on the road. Drake is 11 and 0 at home, as I said, a 19 and one overall. So, um, it, it's kind of like a, what gives type of situation. Uh, the one thing to keep an eye on is, uh, Shanquan tank Hemphill, their leading scorer. He suffered a foot, uh, injury or an ankle injury. They really didn't specify in their game on Wednesday against Northern Iowa. His status is in doubt. We may know more later on Friday. Uh, Marquise Kennedy sat out the Ramblers last two games, and he's a guy who really gives them an added dimension offensively. He's expected back. He's practiced all week. So, uh, you know, again, looking at the two best teams in conference, two of the best mid-majors in the conference, I think this is the best matchup of the weekend. Uh, one of the best in all of college basketball. It's going to be a lot of fun, and hopefully the Ramblers can take a pair. Jeff, I'm glad you spent some time, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you these weekend games, this this pair of games between Loyola and Drake should be a lot of fun in Des Moines. It really should. It's been my pleasure. And Jonathan, I tell you what, if they go to the tournament, let me know. Give me a call. I'd be happy to come back on. Okay. I really appreciate that, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jonathan. Good to talk to Jeff Hagedorn, the radio voice for the Loyola Ramblers. Big series against Drake. Now, what about Illinois? Illinois on Friday night, the 12th of February, will take on Nebraska. Uh, the The Illini are a 14-point favorite against Fred Hoiberg's Nebraska team. Nebraska has not won a game in conference so far, but let's go back to Illinois' last victory against Wisconsin. A really solid win against the Badgers, 75-60. to Now, of course, by this time, we should be talking about Illinois against Michigan, but because of COVID-19, we did not get Illinois against Michigan. Oh, what a great game that would have been this week to be able to review and talk about uh, on the podcast, but that was postponed. And 
so now Illinois will take on Nebraska. But let's go back to that last game. So Illinois did a great job, especially defensively, on the three-point strike. Defense first. Wisconsin does a really good job normally of shooting the ball from three. They were four for 24 from three. That's 16%. They only went to the foul line, the Badgers, only 11 times. Six for 11 from the foul line, 54%. Meanwhile, from the Illinois standpoint, Kofi Coburn had 23 points and 14 rebounds. That guy's a monster inside. Just a, an absolute monster. From the foul line down, he is so dangerous. He's not one of these centers that's trying to shoot threes. He's just a guy there just going to knock you over and find a way to find the seam into the lane and get that high percentage shot at the basket. Uh, Ayo Desumu had 21 points. He had 21 points and 12 assists, uh, So along with two steals. So Desumu was 21 and 12 as far as assists. Coburn, 23 points and 14 rebounds. That's really all that the Illini needed because they were up 36 to 23 after the first uh, first half of play. Wisconsin started to shoot the ball a little bit better, but it was too little too late. Illinois wins 75 to 60. Some thoughts from Brad Underwood, the head coach for the Illini, after the last win Illinois had as they are 13 and 5 on the season. Kind of a game we just I, I felt like we we got off to a pretty solid start and 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 we just kept uh i thought our defensive presence early was was really good and uh, uh we challenged everything uh we had a hand in their face i thought our our stunts and our rotations were were really good uh you know that this is a the defending conference champion with everybody back uh you know what you're getting there they're they are as sound and solid as as you could be um I thought offensively, uh, we got some really good looks that didn't go in. Uh, otherwise, Iowa might have had 15 assists. But, uh, but I think that uh, other than other than some casual or careless turnovers in the first half, I was really pleased with what we did on that end. I thought we established Kofi, um, and uh, both those two young men, Kofi and Io, had had great great nights as as the stats show. But. Uh, uh, you know, when you start talking about IO and, and the history of this program and all the great, great players and, and um, only three triple doubles and the last one was 2001, 20 years ago, uh, yikes, uh, you're pretty elite, in pretty elite companies. So, um, and not only were they, was it a triple double, but both of them were so efficient. And uh, uh, again, I thought we, we, we handled the, you know, we handled them at the three-point line, which was a, a concern coming in. And uh, the 40% of their baskets are, are, are from the three. And then uh, I was really proud of our guards. I thought they did a nice job of, of really trying to uh, negate post-ups uh, with Ford and, and with Wall. So all in all, uh, very pleased, very happy. And uh, now we sit and wait, and we'll uh, we'll see what comes our way uh, from the league office Uh to find out who our next opponent is. One other note that came from ESPN.com's David Hale that I just wanted to pass along to you. An NAIA school in Virginia forfeited its men's basketball game Thursday after suspending players for kneeling during the national anthem before several games in January and February. 
In a statement Thursday, Bluefield College President David Olive said that after players knelt before multiple games in January and February, even after he told them to stop, he decided to suspend all athletes involved, which resulted in a forfeit of the NAIA Division II Appalachian Athletic Conference game against Reinhardt. Here's the quote from Olive. And again, Olive is the Bluefield College president. The basis for my decision stemmed from my own awareness of how kneeling is perceived by some in our country. And I did not think a number of our alumni, friends, and donors of the college would view the act of kneeling during the anthem in a positive way. In the statement, Olive, who is white, recounted an ongoing discussion with coaches, players, and the school's athletic director, Tanya Walker, who is black, over kneeling during the anthem, but suspensions were handed out, and that happened, and then, of course, the media reports surfaced last week. David Olive decided that he wanted to be able to forfeit the games because players were kneeling, and that, it's again, it seems like, to me, felt pressure from the alumni about players being able to to demonstrate their feelings about either what's happening in Virginia, what's happening in this country. And so he decides to forfeit the games because the players were kneeling during the national anthem. All I will tell you is this, is that everyone has a right to do whatever they feel feel during the national anthem, either be in the locker room, if they want to put up a fist, if they want to kneel, if they, if they have a reason to kneel. And usually the reason is because whether it's police brutality, things are going on in this country, whatever, they have a right to do that in this, in this country. But the president of Bluefield College says that that wasn't the right thing to do. So he just suspended all athletes involved. I look, to, I look forward to seeing the fallout from this and see what's the next step after the suspension of these players uh, feeling that they have something to say regarding what's happening either in that state, in that county, or what's happening in the country. I've not heard about these players or what they're kneeling for, but usually it's about what we've seen in the past. Something going on in the country that they disagree with, and so this is their way of protesting. I look forward to seeing what the fallout is uh, from this story from Bluefield College. Now on to the NBA. All right, let's talk some NBA. Had to put the needle on the record, make sure it's steady, and then boom. Here we go, a little Marshall Jefferson for you. Okay, let's talk NBA. So the Bulls beat the Pelicans last time we saw the Bulls. And man, they were shooting the ball well, didn't they? That game against the Pelicans. So the Pelicans have been on, were on the road. And I said, you know, Pelicans are tough. Got Zion Williamson and got Brandon Ingram and got, got a number of shooters. They got four guys that can hurt you. And the Bulls said, F that. I got this. And I really enjoyed watching the Bulls shoot the basketball with Zach Levine and Kobe White. What a great one-two punch. And this is exactly, if you're a Bulls fan, you've been waiting for this for a while, right? Well, the Pelicans' defense was optional uh, in the in the game against the Bulls. Zach Levine had 46 points. He had four assists and seven rebounds. Kobe White had 30 points, seven assists. Okay, so think about it. Kobe White, eight for 17 from three. Zach Levine, nine for 14 from three. Bulls shot 53% from three. 
Uh, didn't get to the foul line a ton, but they didn't have to because they shot the lights out. I was concerned early in the game because I'm watching the game and I said, oh, New Orleans has a 74 to had a 74 points in the first half, and the Bulls had what was it? Let me see. Check here. 44 plus 22 is 66. Yeah, I was like, okay, that was a problem because I thought, well, this is a West Coast pace, a Western Conference pace, and the Bulls would have some problems. They didn't have no problems shooting the ball, especially with that 40-piece they put on New Orleans in the third quarter. Never looked back. Really liked what I saw from Levine and White. Now, the question is, what happens against the Clippers? Now, there's no Paul George for the Clippers. He's out with a toe. The Bulls are a seven-point underdog against the Clippers at the crib against the Clippers. I know this is what it says on DraftKings. Clippers are a seven-point favorite. Uh, the Clippers just got through beating Minnesota the other night, 119-112, to 112, as, once again, Kawhi Leonard had a good night. So what are the Bulls going to do about it, right? What are the Bulls going to do about the Clippers tonight? Now, here's what I expect. In this game, Zach Levine, I don't worry about his scoring. I know he's going to score. What I'm concerned is, is trying to figure out who the number two and number three scorers are going to be on this team. Is it going to be Patrick Williams? He only had seven points in that blowout victory against New Orleans. Is it going to be Thaddeus Young? You could depend almost every game on him giving you double digits. He had eight points, seven rebounds, and four assists. He's always all over the floor in 27 minutes of play. That's what he did against New Orleans in the last game. So who's going to step up? Is it going to be Kobe White? Garrett Temple is a Sadoransky. Bulls need to be able to find not just scoring, but also defensive presence as well. Again, 160 points given up against the Pelicans. A team that shoots well from three is one thing. But the Bulls have to find a way to make some stops as well. I know Zach Levine can score, but the question I will always ask you if you're a Bulls fan is, who else can be able to score who else will be able to defend on this basketball team? I really need to see some toughness on the inside for the Bulls to not make it so easy for the Clippers or other opponents to just be able to do whatever they want uh, going to the basket. So that is interesting to watch. Let's take a look at the Eastern Conference now. Bulls against the Clippers, I'll be watching. But also I want to talk to you about the Eastern Conference because I thought there was a really good article from ESPN.com's Tim Bontemps about the Eastern Conference. So, let's talk about Milwaukee. You know, we just had our guy Travis Wacker on the last podcast talking about the Bucks and what the Bucks could do this upcoming season. Well, a couple of things from this article from ESPN.com talks about some of the underlying stats when it comes to Milwaukee. Milwaukee is first in the league in offensive rating. However, after leading the NBA in defensive rating in each of the past two seasons, the Bucks currently find themselves outside the top 10. Uh-oh. As people analyze Milwaukee's situation, several pointed to the team's second unit as a concern. You just knew that the bench, when you saw the roster, you're like, hmm, who's going to be able to pay dividends coming off the bench? So it's hard to address via trade, given that Milwaukee has less than $500,000 to spend on the NBA's hard cap. They have less than a million dollars to spend on bench help. Who's going to help them for that little amount of money? Their bench needs to really step up and play better. There's no doubt. M meanwhile, a troubling trend has emerged in Giannis's struggles at the foul line. Do you know Giannis is shooting 63% from the foul line? That's the fifth worst 
the fifth worst in the NBA among qualified players. He's missing a potential tying free throw in the final second in Milwaukee's second opening loss against the Boston Celtics. So I know he can score. I know he can defend. I know he can be a shot blocker. But what about closing games? You've got to be a, a kind of player that can close games. And a lot of times you have to close games in the foul line. Let's keep our eyes on that when it comes to Giannis. What about the Nets? I know every podcast, Hood's talking about the Nets again, but they're interesting, right? For the season, the Brooklyn Nets ranked third in offensive ranking, third of offensive rating, 106.5 uh, points per 100 possessions. Let me take a look at that stat again. 116.5 points per 100 possessions. That's 27th in defensive ranking, though. Since the James Harden trade, the Nets have the league's fourth best offense. So you knew that with Harden being there along with Kyrie and along with KD, you know that the offense is going to get better. There's no doubt about that. But their defensive rating is up to 118.1. That's last in the NBA. One thing about the Nets, you'll see that ball go in the hoop a lot with the Nets. But as far as defense, that's the major problem. If you think the Nets are going to fall short, look at their defensive end. 118.1 on their defensive rating. But again, offensively speaking, fourth best offense. Uh, much better with James Harden, but that's a problem. I got an MVP candidate for you. Remember at the beginning of the season, people said, Oh, you know who should be the MVP, Luka Doncic. And I said, wait a minute. If you go back to the archives of this podcast, I talked to Gilles Gallant from Archark. Uh, Gilles Gallant is a terrific uh, pronounced. He's really good when it comes to gambling, sports gambling. And so from Archark, I talked to him and I said, Gilles, do you think that Luka Doncic is going to be MVP? He said, no. And I agree with him because... It's based on how good your team is. Now, Dallas has a lot of room for improvement. There's no doubt, number one. But number two, you just don't hand a guy MVP just because he has to won it and you don't want to give it to LeBron anymore or you don't want to give it to Giannis anymore. Nah. You know who I'm giving it to for right now? Joel Embiid. How about that? Joel Embiid. Gone are the days of Embiid when he was grumpy and he didn't have an offensive flow and he would be tired. This Joel Embiid with Doc Rivers in the Philadelphia 76ers. It's a whole new version of Embiid. He is averaging 29 points a game, a career high. 54% from the field, a career high. He is averaging 37% from three, a career high. And presents Philadelphia's best option to attack Brooklyn's biggest weakness. Joel Embiid is more inspired now than I've ever seen him in his career. I can say that's Doc Rivers. I can say maybe that the lights turned on for him. I don't know what it is. But if I'm giving MVP right now, I'm giving it to Joel Embiid. And this team is interesting to watch as well. I, you know, When I'm watching this Philadelphia team with Tobias Harris and watching Ben Simmons, it's one of the more well-rounded teams in the Eastern Conference. But I'm giving it to Embiid because there's times you saw Joel in the past and he's tapping out. He's tired after one quarter of play. He's playing a quarter and a half and then plays a little bit in the second half when they need him. But now he's inspired, he's upright, and he's a bigger three-point threat than Ben Simmons, afraid to shoot, right? <laughs> the big man shooting almost 38% from three. I'm excited about his future. Philadelphia is one of the more complete teams I mentioned in the East. What about Miami? Real quick. So I saw Miami the other night. 
in a win that they had with Jimmy Butler. And also that was the Max Strews game on Thursday night, right? Max Strews went to DePaul. I did play-by-play for the Windy City Bulls for a couple of years, and I called a Max Strews games. I mean, all he can do is shoot the ball from the outside. All he can do is drive to the basket. He's a really good player, and he ends up on Miami's roster, and he was one of the catalysts for uh, the Heat in that win on Thursday night. So I like Miami. I don't love Miami, but here's a question. Is Miami for real, or was that just they got to the finals because of the bubble? You know, this one Western Conference scout in this column I'm reading from ESPN.com from Tim Fontemp says that it was just a fluke. Everyone hates that word, but it's true. The whole bubble was a perfect situation. Okay. Well, it's up to the Heat to prove that last year wasn't a fluke, that they actually are going to be a contender in the Eastern Conference. Now, we'll keep our eyes on that. Additionally, talking about Jay Crowder. Miami lost Jay Crowder in free agency, and that hurt in the eyes of several people. He have struggled to try to replace him. They got Maurice Harkless. He's shooting just 40% from the field, and he's not really in the starting lineup very often. So let's keep our eyes on the Heat, Indiana Pacers. we got to keep our eyes on them as well. They've been interesting. Uh, and by the way, one other thing. If you are someone like me that has the NBA package that just can't get enough, if like, you're a sports fan, I'm a sports fan too, but sometimes you just need a little something extra So I always have the NBA package because, as you well know, as you can hear, I'm a big hoops guy, right? You know who's fun? Charlotte's fun. Charlotte's fun. I've watched them a number of times this year because I want to see what LaMelo Ball looks like. Look, I know Melo is in the league with the Portland Trailblazer. I know there's only one Melo, but there's only one Love Melo, too. Charlotte team's fun. If you get a chance, watch the Charlotte Hornets. They'll take on Minnesota on Saturday. But the Hornets, you say, well, Hood, I mean, they're under 500. No, but for once, Michael Jordan's team looks like something. Borrego and that coaching staff has got something cooking right there. I'm not saying playoffs. I'm just, I'm just talking about as far as interest, television interest. And LaMelo Ball, I tell you what, he's not afraid to shoot the basketball. And if I had my choice of the Ball Brothers, at this point in time, I'm taking LaMelo. He is pretty good to watch. LaMelo Ball, they got Rogier who shoots the ball well. Zeller is in the middle. Gordon Hayward, we saw with the Boston Celtics. Uh, so we know that he can score, especially from three. Uh, P.J. Washington, you know, it's a good team. They got some nice uh, bench pieces. So as far as the package is concerned, yeah, I kind of like watching them. So keep your eyes on the Charlotte Hornets uh, for sure. Three games to watch. I mentioned the college games to watch. What about the NBA? Saturday, if you're a hoops head, NBA TV. So we have to go through the package for this. Philly against Phoenix. Ah, Devin Booker. A little Devin Booker. All right. Watch the Phoenix Suns. Again, a team not an embarrassment anymore. Chris Paul, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. There's uh, Chris Paul there, along with a little Devin Booker. Talking about the aforementioned Philadelphia 76ers. Watch Embiid. If he plays in this game, watch Embiid. Guy is spry. Knocking it down from three, going to the basket. Philadelphia is the top team in the East right now. No shade at at, uh, Milwaukee, but Philly seems like a more complete team. So Philly, Phoenix, Saturday at 2 o'clock Central Time. And, of course, the the main event, the Saturday night game of the week, is going to be Golden State against Brooklyn. 
There's still no James Wiseman. He's still out for another week. I want to see that kid. I saw some positive signs when I saw him, but it's going to be Brooklyn against Golden State. Hey, we already talked about Brooklyn, so you know what to expect there. at 7.30 on ABC. And Miami against Utah. Utah. But here's the thing. I'm not trying to throw any shade. Of course, when I say that, you know I'm going to throw some shade. <laughs> so Utah is 20-5. and five, And they have the best record in the NBA. And they have a five-game winning streak. And they are a good basketball team. As a matter of fact, they'll take on Milwaukee tonight in Salt Lake. So that would be an interesting game for sure. Um, but Utah seems to me just like teams in the past. Really good team in the regular season. But where will they be in the postseason with Donovan Mitchell? Again, good regular season team. They've won 20 of their first 25 games. But they'll take on Milwaukee on Friday, and Saturday they'll take on uh, the Miami Heat. So I think that's going to be a good game. That's going to be at 8 o'clock on the package, Miami and Utah. All right. Thank you so much, as always, for checking out the Under the Hood basketball podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Listen, you can download this podcast and subscribe to it on Spotify. That way you never miss any of our basketball conversation. Never miss any of our basketball conversation. Or you can check it out on the Cap and J Hood podcast feed. It's an additional uh, audio for you, the basketball fan, on the Cap and J Hood podcast. If we don't get a chance to talk about it on the show, that's why we've got this podcast. Next week, we'll talk about the Bulls. We'll talk about the LA Lakers. We'll have a, a special guest talking about the Lakers. Nick Friedel is going to be on the program for some of our next shows that we're going to have for the podcast. So I hope that you get a chance to join us. And by the way, Share this podcast. Tell people, Jonathan Hood's Talking Basketball, the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, whether it's college or pro, we got it covered for you on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook.